Morning, everybody. Great to be here. Great to see unmasked faces here inside while we're seated. <laughs> Great. Well, today uh, we are continuing. This is the third week in our series on confidence in complex times, which is looking at Psalm 139, which Tim just read out. Um, so before we get into that, I wanted to share a quick story. We sure saw a little glimpse of it before. Um, so a few weeks ago, I got to go on a holiday uh, with my mum up to Hamilton Island, uh, which was wonderful. It, it was quiet probably compared to normal because it was just Queensland people um, who, you know, who were allowed to go on holidays. Uh, but it was fantastic and we did lots of different things and lots of relaxing and we did things that mum wanted to do like going snorkeling and, and things like that. Um, and then I came across an activity that I really wanted to do and um, convinced mum to come along with me. And that was um, driving an all-terrain vehicle. Here we go, I've got a Where's that picture gone? An all-terrain vehicle, so it's a four-wheel drive buggy, um, up sort of some, some four-wheel drive tracks, up to some really beautiful lookouts on Hamilton Island, so looking out across, you know, the islands, uh, which is fantastic. And this, this was the activity I really wanted to do. I knew that mum probably wouldn't be super keen, but she was prepared to come with me. And so when we arrived, we had to do like a little safety briefing and, you know, how do you drive, you know, the vehicle and everything. And I quickly realized that out of this group on this tour of about um, maybe there was eight of us or so in these buggies, I was going to be the only girl driving. There was other girls there, but they were going to be passengers and their partners or whatever were going to be driving. And I was going to be the only girl driving. Um, and not only that, um, I was going to be put close to the front of the group. Um, so, so all of these other guys were going to be behind me and we had to go single file up these tracks and things. So I thought, oh no, these guys, they're going to be thinking, oh, we're behind the girl and she's probably going to drive slow. Um, so I, I don't know if they were thinking that, but I was determined that they wouldn't get to think that because I was going to prove myself as a driver um, up, up these mountains in this buggy. Um, and, it, and it was a lot of fun. I think I did do that. Um, I think mum would testify that I did do that. Um, so we're driving and we're kind of roaring around these corners and over these sort of four-wheel drive things and it was a lot of fun. And I noticed that while the other sort of passengers in the other buggies, they've got their phones out and they're taking selfies and taking photos or whatever, my mum, she's sitting there with her helmet on, her little goggles on, and she's holding on <laughs> for dear life. Um, <laughs> but she did really well. She didn't, she didn't tell me to slow down. She didn't tell me to be careful or anything, but she was determined hanging on to that bar, that safety bar at the front, that she was going to get through this four-wheel drive experience with me. Uh, it was really funny. It was a great time. So it's this instinct, isn't it? Um, there's this instinct that's built into us that we grab onto something when life gets a little bit bumpy. When things get a little bit bumpy, we grab onto things. Nobody, while we're just sort of cruising down the freeway and all is well, nobody's grabbing on for dear life like my mum was that day. We don't do that. We do that uh, when things get a bit bumpy and we need to stabilise ourselves. And for safety, obviously, and that's obviously how mum felt that day too. I'm sure this past week with this earthquake down in Victoria. I'm sure there was a lot of people grabbing onto things um, to stabilize. I know my brother and his family, they'll run and stood in the doorways and, and hung on. Apparently, that's the, the strongest parts of the house. Uh, so, it sounds a little bit scary, but I'm sure there was a lot of people um, hanging on. It's just, it's human instinct. Something that, I, that we're seeing a lot at the moment um, in these complex times that we're in, in, in human history, 
as we sort of ride through this global pandemic and the lockdowns and the vaccines and the, and the protests that are happening and the, the political unrest we're seeing around the world, I don't know if you've noticed that people tend to be clinging on tighter, uh, tighter than ever to different things to try and, I guess, find some sense of stability, to find some sense of safety in the midst of it all, whether it be, you know, holding on to certain um, beliefs or worldviews or theories or political affiliations. Whatever it might be, people are holding on tighter than before, doubling down and trying to find some sense of stability and trying to make some kind of sense with all of these complex things that are happening in our world. Well, this series that we're going through uh, at the moment, Confidence in Complex Times, um, I guess it's a bit of an attempt uh, for us to find something that we can grab onto um, at the moment, something that we can hold onto as Christians in this time um, of of complexity and and, and instability, find something stable to stand on, to hold onto. Um, and we're, g- we're doing that by looking at this psalm, 139, um, in the hope of finding some encouragement, of finding something good and true and solid to hold on to. So Psalm 139 um, is this beautiful picture of God's faithfulness and unchanging love. Uh, we know that David, when he wrote this psalm, uh, he, he was walking in the midst of trouble. He says that in the psalm just before, in Psalm 138, he's walking in the midst of trouble. And so we know that that's what's happening as he writes this group of psalms that 139 falls in. Um, And as he writes this psalm, he he writes of the closeness and the intimacy he's experiencing with God, his deliverer and protector. When David was facing trouble, his stabilizing force was the closeness of God. That's what this whole psalm is about, the closeness and intimacy of God. This God who knows David, as we talked about in the first week, this God who knows and this God who is present with David, God who is present. And today we're going to look um, specifically at verses 13 to 18, uh, where these themes deepen even further again. And there's incredible use of language and imagery that draws out this amazing love and intimacy that David experiences with God. And it's incredible. So verse 13, we'll start there. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. So David, he moves, he's just been talking about all of the places that he could go um, to try, but, but he could never escape God's presence. He could go to the mountain, he could go to the depths, but he could never escape God's presence. And here, he sort of takes this idea a little bit further. Um, in this next part of the psalm, we see that not only is God present always in my life, but God also knows me, knows me and my life so completely. We see the incredibly intimate nature of God's relationship to us uh, as David talks about how God knew him even before he was born. As he was being formed in the womb, as he was being made in the depths, in the secret place, before he was even formed, God knew him. So there's this idea of God knowing us so fully that before we even had eyes to see God saw us. Before we even had minds to be able to think about God, God thought of us. Before we even knew our own names, God knew us completely. 
before we even had the ability to comprehend the idea of God, he loved us so fully. Before we were fully formed, before we were functional, before we were able to do anything or contribute anything, God was there with us. And God loved us there. There is no place or no part in our lives that God has not been present for. So David also uses this term, my inmost being. You created my inmost being. And this literally, this term is, is translated to kidneys. Um, this inmost being, that means kidneys in this ancient um, language. Um, but what's understood, what was understood in this time is that these kidneys, this inmost being, that was the seat of emotions. This, these inner parts of me, my, my inner world, my inner thoughts, my deepest feelings um, is my inmost being. So again, there's this picture of intimacy. Um, you created and you know even the deepest, the deepest parts of me, my deepest feelings are not a mystery to you, God. Even when they're a mystery to me, even when I'm not quite sure about the depths of me and what happens, you know, right in those deep places, it's not a mystery to you, um, not to God. So we see this picture of being so fully known by God from the very beginning of our lives and to the very depths of ourselves, we are known by God. We are known by God. So verse uh, 14, there's this beautiful language of the handiwork of God as he creates us, the intricacies of our creation. We were knit together, we're woven together. It's this really deliberate and intentional sort of language, this way that God went about making us so deliberately, so intentionally. Um, he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This term, fearful and wonderful, um, this is a term that we see in Scripture a bit, and it's a phrase that's usually used to describe the incredible work of God in delivering His people from oppression. So it's used to describe the mighty acts of Yahweh. Um, and here we see David using the same term to talk about um, God's incredible work of creating a human being. So this mighty God who delivers his people from powerful armies and kingdoms, the same mighty God uses that same power to make me, to weave me together, to knit me together. This God who conquers nations, he knew me when I wasn't formed. He was present, you know, as I was, as I was fragile and delicate and still forming, he knew me even there. So are you seeing this picture of incredible intimacy that David is painting with his words? Not only is there nowhere that I can flee from your presence, God, there is no part of my life that you are not present for. There is no part of me that you do not know. So moving to verse 16, um, your, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So you hold, hold all of my days. You know all of my days from the very beginning until the very end. You hold my life in your hands. My best days and my worst days, you hold them all. And they all matter to you. In verse 17 and 18, we see just this awe that David is feeling at the incredible love of the Father. 
here and there's this outpouring of language as he tries to comprehend this incredible love of God. You know, he knows me so deeply and he, and he knows me so fully and he holds all of my days. How precious to me, God. How precious to me are your thoughts. How it blows my mind that you love me this deeply, that you think of me, that you think of me more than there are grains of sand on the beach. Your love is so overwhelming to comprehend. So here is David in the midst of this trouble, and he pours out this beautiful poem um, describing the love and the intimacy of God. And it's like this attempt to put language to this love that he has come to know. It's interesting that it's not a poem about David's love, about his love for God, but it's a poem about God's love for David, for him. We humans, and I'm speaking very much from experience here, we really can, we truly can be tossed around by the storms of life, can't we? I know if my relationship with God was dependent on my love for Him, um, it, at my attempts at intimacy with Him, I think I'd be in trouble. It doesn't take much, I know this, it doesn't take much for me to become distracted, to become discouraged, to feel cut off, to feel far away, especially during storms of life and complex times. My love is imperfect and fickle at times, it is. But God's love is perfect. God's love never changes, God's love never fails. God's love existed before my beginning and exists every single day of my life and it will endure beyond the things of this earth. Um, as I was sort of reading and, and looking at different things and commentaries this week, I came across this quote um, from one of the commentaries that says, I just loved it so I thought I'd put it in, that the God who has known us from our very beginning is the God who has watched us all along. He has seen our comings and goings, our faithfulness and our faithlessness, yet he has remained present with us. It's a great way to sum up, I think, this part of the psalm. When David faced trouble, this was what he chose to cling to, the enduring nature of God's love. So if we grab hold of anything during this age that we're in of change and complexity and upheaval, let it be God's love, which is far greater and far stronger than anything else. Just like David, when trouble comes, may our hearts turn towards this truth before anything else. When we find ourselves needing something to hold on to to stabilize ourselves in these unstable times, when we need something to give us hope, um, to help us make sense of what's happening around us, to give us a sense of safety even, may it be God's love first. God's love that is patient. God's love that is kind. God's love that does not envy or boast, that's not proud, that doesn't dishonor others. God's love that is not self-seeking, that is not easily angered. God's love that keeps no record of wrongs. God's love that does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God's love that always protects, <laughs> always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God's love which never fails. 
May it be this, the security and the certainty of God's love that we cling on to during these uncertain and complex times. And may we cling on, may we hold on with the determination of my mum on that ATV that day, holding on and not letting go. So one of the things that we're seeing happening in the world right now, as we said earlier, is people grabbing on and holding on to all sorts of things to help them make sense of what's going on around them right now. There's so much going on at the moment and people are trying to make sense. They're trying to find some kind of stability and safety in these really crazy times. Um, unprecedented word that we hear a lot. I'm sure you've heard that word a lot. Unprecedented times. There's so many new things happening all the time. We haven't experienced this in our lifetimes before, etc., etc. So Tim mentioned a few weeks ago um, that the, the world has moved from being complicated to highly complex. Highly complex. There is so much going on and changing so constantly. Um, and what we see is lots of different theories emerge that are trying to make sense of these things. There's, um, often people are trying to provide simple answers um, to really complex issues. Humans, we, we just, we're hardwired, we much prefer simplicity to complexity. We just do. And that's why I think we grab onto these things and people tend to hold on um, very, very tight. And they go to great lengths to, pr to protect and defend their worldview sometimes. And they won't let go easily. Uh, and of course, what we see happening a lot as well around us is some people, they don't like other people's theories and opinions, do they? They don't like the positions that other people are taking on things. And sometimes it can get pretty messy. We see this happening a lot. Um, you've, heard, you've probably heard people saying lately, you know, people don't know how to disagree anymore. We, we don't know how to disagree People hold on so tightly to their positions, to their worldviews, to their political stances or theories or whatever it is, because it feels like it gives them some sense of stability and safety in these unstable times. It helps them make sense of what's happening and provide simple solutions to really complex issues. So for some people, if you try and take that away, you question that, you disagree with that, well, you're taking away sort of their footing. You're pulling the ground out from under them, the, the thing that they're holding on to for safety and stability right now. So the problem with all of this and holding on so tightly to some of these things is, you know, apart from the very polarizing, very deeply, you know, dividing arguments going on, and at times the violence, the really unethical things that we're seeing happening you know, as a result, uh, the other problem, of course, is that none of these things, no political affiliation, no theory, no worldview is perfect. It's not. There's flaws. Of course there are. We're human. We're imperfect. So when we face trouble in this world, when we choose to cling on to and, and not let go of something human, it will fail at some point. It just will. The only good and perfect and solid and unfailing thing we have to hold on to for stability is the enduring love of our good God. As David so beautifully wrote about in this psalm. This God who holds all of our days. This God who was there before we were even formed. This God um, who will be there when we reach our end. Him and only Him 
is the one who we can fully trust. Yes, sometimes these conversations, you know, around different theories and ways of seeing the world and and politics and all of those things, it can be helpful, of course. But we have to be able to hold those things loosely in comparison to holding on so firmly to the promise of God's enduring love and presence. We've got to hold on with everything we've got. And, you know, I think if we're able to do this, if we can do this, if we can choose... um, to hold on to the unchanging love of God over any human thing, not only does that make me secure in my identity and my sense of who I am um, as a child of God, which is a very good thing, an important thing, not only that, but rather than being people who contribute to the noise and to the anxiety of our age, we can be bearers of God's peace in the world. Because we are secure in whose we are. We are secure in whose we are. In who knows us. In who holds us and loves us and never fails us. And because of that, we can carry that stability, that experience of relationship with God into our worlds. We can be a non-anxious presence in this very anxious time of history. The only thing I'm hanging on to uh, fiercely and with certainty is the love of God and God's faithfulness to be to me. And because I am secure in that, I can enter the complexity of the world around me and I can be present in what's going on around me and I can stand confidently in the midst of this storm and I can be a person of peace. I can be someone who listens more than I speak. I can show empathy to other human beings even when they disagree with me because I am confident and secure in my God who knows me and holds me and loves me, therefore I can love those around me. So uh, in John chapter 13, we see uh, Jesus washes his disciples' feet in this great act of servant love for them. And then he gives them a new command, which is to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And he says that by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is how people will know that you follow me because of your love. Because of your love. Love is the defining characteristic of people who follow Jesus. This is the thing that we hold on to above all else, God's perfect love. And when we do that, when that is the lens through which we view everything that's going on around us in the world right now, there is a stability and a peace that comes that allows us to love others without strings attached. We can become a non-anxious presence in this very anxious age that we live in a people of peace, because our hope is in the source of all peace. So to wrap up this morning, um, I want to read a a prayer from Henry Nguyen. Um, If you're not familiar with him, he is a a much-loved and widely-read Dutch theologian um, and author, and he often wrote on the richness of God's love. Um, So this is a prayer, and it's about the consistency of God's love. 
Um, and it's got some imagery in it, just like in the Psalms, got some imagery. And it's a reminder that um, even though we fail in our attempts sometimes, um, and, and sometimes our attempts at loving God aren't always consistent, He is always consistent and His love is always consistent. So if we're going to double down on anything, if there's anything we're going to hold on to during these complex times that we live in, and as we continue to sail into more uncharted waters as we move forward, let's hold on to, let's cling to this enduring love of our God. And perhaps, if, if you haven't done this before, I know many of us probably have, but if you haven't or you could revisit it, perhaps sit with this psalm this week, 139, Psalm 139. Sit with it, meditate on it, reflect on it. Um, reflect on your life as well and how has God revealed his love and his faithfulness to you in your life. And let that be the stabilizing force for you in these complex and uncertain times. So here's the prayer um, from Nguyen. He says, Dear Lord, today I thought of the words of Vincent van Gogh. It is true that there is an ebb and flow, but the sea remains the sea. You are the sea. Although I experience many ups and downs in my emotions and often feel great shifts and changes in my inner life, you remain the same. Your sameness is not the sameness of a rock, but the sameness of a faithful lover. Out of your love, I come to life. By your love, I am sustained. And to your love, I am always called back. There are days of sadness and days of joy. There are feelings of guilt and feelings of gratitude. There are moments of failure and moments of success. But all of them are embraced by your unwavering love. So Lord, we just thank you for your unwavering love, your unshakable and unmoving love that never fails. God, this truly is the one thing that we can, we can count on in life to be consistent, to never change. God, thank you that you, you knew us before we were born, while we were, while we were being formed. You saw us and you loved us. God, every day of our lives, you hold. God, thank you for your deep and enduring love for each one of us. God, I pray that you would draw us closer into that love and that that would become the stabilizing force, the solid rock that we can stand on and hold on to uh, in the storm of life. In these complex and unstable times, would we be people, God, who hold on to your love first and foremost, and, um, and would we hold on tighter than we hold on to anything else, God? Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you that even when we fail, you do not. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <laughs>